This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 83 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And on today's show, we have the always delightful Carol Herter, president of Cavallo Horse and Rider, Inc., and Canadian Rainer Lisa Coulter. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to The Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month. And of course, I have my producer, Coach Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Greetings, Debbie. How are you? I'm good. I, I want to quickly get into, we have long interviews today. We just finished them up and I, I know some of the highlights, so uh, not to give it away too much, but I didn't want to get away without asking how Nigel was doing. We haven't had a little update. For oh, a while. I love it when you ask about Nigel. Oh, I love Nigel. <laughs> the big well, boy. Nigel and I did go out to the Florida Horse Park last weekend, which is right down the street, about half an hour. And this was our first outing since our um, rather dramatic trip up to the Hunter Pace, which didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. Okay. So uh, we got out safely out to the horse park and we got all tacked up. And it was fun because I got to walk around and uh, be around a lot of excitement and a lot of busyness, which is something that gets him up a little bit. And sometimes he gets a little scared. Yeah. And we dealt with that very well. And then we strolled out onto the cross country course. Uh, a little bit by ourselves. There wasn't anybody else out there. We were just going to walk around and investigate things. There was no jumping involved because you're not allowed to do that when you're out riding around the park. Okay. Uh, and the scary water jump reared its ugly head once again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes. But after um, practicing join up on a horse, allowing him yeah. to make a decision and saying, this, this is your decision and this is what we're going to do about that decision and keeping really working hard at staying calm because I wanted to get tense because i was concerned he was gonna uh, yeah act out isn't that funny how it's a circular thing it's a circular thing it's like well if he acts out we'll deal with it when it happens and i Mm -hmm. I stayed in that zone and after about 10 minutes of allow him to walk past and yes you can be scared of it and now we're going to turn and stop and we're going to walk past and yes you can be scared of it and now we're going to turn around we just kept repeating that process we walked all the way around the scary water jump and the scary water jump at the florida horse park is 100% flora because on either side of the water jump are, I am not kidding you, nine foot tall carved insects. Insects? Yes, like mosquitoes. Ew. They're carved out of trees and they're nine feet tall. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you have to show me a photo of that. I'll take a picture of it. It's cray cray because those were a little bit exciting too. Um, but we, we, uh, yeah. we, we got over the giant bugs and the water. And we did it. And I I really had to go back to that learning opportunity I had a few months ago when he kept getting tense and trying to go towards the gate. And I just, just stay centered, stay here, stay with the horse. How's your, how's your breathing? Are you thinking breathing? Yes. Breathing? How's my breathing? And let him make the choice. If he, if he needs to be bad, he needs to be bad. And then we deal with the bad. Don't, because I try to package him up too much. Yeah. You know? And then he feels trapped. Mm-hmm. And then, then that's... Let him make a mistake. Let him then, make the mistake because then he doesn't feel trapped and he doesn't feel the need to act out rudely. Right? right? 
So, yay. yay. I, was, I was very pleased. And yay. we got back on the horse trailer and we came home and it all worked well. And he got a pumpkin on the calendar. He got a pumpkin on the calendar, not a gold star. Not a gold. Well, he, he really didn't try all that hard when it came to Okay. Home. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, the last time he went away in the trailer, it was very unpleasant from his point of view. Okay. So yeah. he didn't want to get back on. He said, no, you're going to take me to that unpleasant place. <laughs> With the insects. And, yeah. So uh, this, this time, getting him on, he was reluctant, but we worked through it. did a lot of the dually dance. Good. Lot I love that. Yeah. that. Cha, cha, cha. Well, Good. yes. And Glenn kept, because Glenn's there watching all this, taking it in. He's going, well, why do you keep backing him out of the trailer? You don't want him to back out. <laughs> said, ah. We want him to think we do. That's yeah, all. Just go to Monty Roberts University and watch that video. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Every mother knows what we're talking about here, right? Don't go in that room. No, no, no. I said, not that room. Not right there. That room. And, and it worked. And he got in. He stood there calmly. We got there. He loaded on the way home, quite willingly, he uh, remembered the lesson. Let's so, go home. Yeah. Big old yeah. pumpkin. Yeah. Yay. Good old Nigel. All right. Well, thank you for that Nigel update. It always warms my heart. Yeah. He's so sweet. He's I'm so, so sweet. sweet. I'm, I'm such a squishy about him. Jeez. <laughs> and speaking of squishy, I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait to to hear this interview with Carol Herter. Oh, she's so sweet, Jen. Yeah. It, yeah. She's amazing. And she's sitting on a beach in... Mexico, one of those times when she could just say, horses, I don't want to talk about horses at all, (laughs) but she did with us and she's just a sweetheart. Listen in on this. This. If you don't, if you don't feel like you've just been hugged by a big warm blanket, there's something wrong with you. And we're going to get to that right after this from IFA.com. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate. He's a sugar bear. You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at IFA.com. That's IFA as an Index Fund Advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. President of Cavallo Horse and Rider, Inc. since 1994, Carol Herter is an author and an inventor, and she has a genuine passion to help educate horse owners. In 2010, Ms. Herter won the Royal Bank of Canada Western Trailblazer Woman Entrepreneur of the Year Award. I don't know how they put that all in one trophy, but her background is in holistic and alternative health care, and you'll hear that in this interview. And also, she loves to provide comfort for horses in Carol is just passionate about her horses. Well, welcome, Carol Herter. Thanks so much. You are such a an amazing woman, and you pulled yourself off vacation to talk again with us on Horsemanship Radio. So I hope we get a really 
a really mellow Carol Herder out there. I want to almost hear sipping sounds in the background. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Um, not sipping at the moment. It's noon. Okay. Although, uh, yes, the beach beckons, and truly it's my pleasure to, to speak with you, Debbie, anytime. Thank you. I, I, our listeners have loved your episodes, and people can go back and, and listen, catch up a little bit, bit about who Carol Herter is. And of course, we've introduced you, and you have amazing accomplishments. But I want to get into the woman, Carol Herter, a little bit today mm. too, because you're you're not only accomplished, and you're not only a wonderful horsewoman and a horse lover. I know at heart, but you are always out there innovating and uh, doing things not only for your interior but also for a horse's exterior um, with your boots and your wonderful pads made out of innovative materials and all that. Um, But I always love following what you're doing. Like you're always off at some uh, retreat, getting inside your head and, and, and grounding yourself so that you can, I think it's so you can charge your batteries and go back out and help the rest of us with our horses. Is that what you do? It is what I do, and truly, uh, by now, I'd probably be uh, burnt out because, um, you know, I travel minimum six months of the year, and I mean, it's hard when you're in different time zones and and, and airplanes and, and just, you know, different people, different cultures, um, shows, you know, I speak a lot, uh, so I'm always, you know, on the go, and and. That provides a lot of energy for me, and I really love it, uh, but I find I can't carry on unless I rejuvenate um, internally as well. So um, I have attended several retreats, and I do take the time every day uh, to rejuvenate. I, I, honestly, I can't function without it now, but it has become a lot easier because it's become a practice and a habit that um, it's like a ritual. It's like... Uh, I don't know. We call it a morning ritual, I suppose. And, a morning uh, ritual, and, yeah. So it's not just it's not just supplements. It's not just green juice. Do you do you meditate? Do you what do you do? Yeah, I meditate uh, every day, and uh, first thing in the morning, it's like um, RPM. Rise, pee, meditate. Right. Good. I like that. And, uh, but one thing I have discovered, it's a bit of a shortcut uh, that I can do um, because I'll often, uh, when I'm traveling in a different time zone or whatever, I don't get that regular sleep. So I can wake up at two in the morning or something somewhere. And of course, it's too early to get up. So um, I've, I've discovered that if I just prop my pillows up and, and do my meditation ritual, not only do I get back asleep, but the sleep is sound and, uh, you know, much more deeper sleep. And then when I get up in the morning, I can just hit the ground running because I've already done it. So, mm-hmm. so lately I've been, uh, I've been, um, if I have an interrupted sleep, I use it, um, that way. And it's, it's really a good trick. You know, mm-hmm. I know they say, you know, get up and have hot milk or whatever, or, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. I mean, we, we, as a society have trouble sleeping. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, true. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this meditation, especially when you have so so you have a lot of people you're responsible for. I mean, not only as an employer, Cavallo, and Mm -hmm. um, and and a wife and a mom, uh, and and all of us people who have horses too. Those that's extended family, so that's more things to worry about and lose sleep over and. 
I mean, it's not like horse people have the whole monopoly on the market or anything, but I do believe, you know, it's not like most sports. A live animal is a lot of responsibility. Then on top of that, you have employees and you have all these people that have come to expect you to educate them and all over the world. So to me, I can't imagine how much you have on your shoulders. Did I wear you out? I wore you out on that. You know what? I love horse people. I totally do because we care so much. And I get emails all day long, you know. Um, While I'm traveling, I can't always answer them all. And I do have my assistant who answers them um, also on my behalf. But I read every single one. And, you know, the love and the the caring. And, you know, horses are an extension of our family. And, And that's what makes it all worthwhile. I mean, I could be producing a widget you know, some, you know, a sun hat, for example, you know, and people could come in and say, gee, I like your sun hat. It protects me from the sun. Well, so what kind of thing? But this, you know, this, this um, doing something from horses really comes from the heart. And, and that certainly gives me a lot of energy too to carry on doing what yeah. I'm doing. And when I get one little email that says, thank you, uh, it makes all the difference in the world because for everybody who says thank you, you know, there's a hundred people who appreciate it, but you know, maybe don't say so. So, you know, it's, it's good. It's, it's a really good job. And, you know, it's about, um, you know, how do you find yourself in this position? I mean, I, like if I would have said 30 years ago that, that I would be, you know, leading the forefront in the barefoot movement, I would have said, forget it. I don't even own a horse, you know. Um, so it's, it's, funny. it's funny the path that that life can take sometimes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're not burned out. I, for one, and mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people standing behind me too. And, and I'm glad that you have the energy too. I'm glad that you invest in yourself for the energy. So tell me where you're pouring your energy this last six months or so. What, what news do you have? What new things are you coming up with? You're such a great innovator. Well, uh, we've developed the CLB, which is the cute little boot, and uh, and that's for the minis. And, uh, you know, we used to say, go to uh, Build-A-Bear. I don't know if you're familiar with that oh, yeah. store, you know, and a lot of mini uh, owners were going there and, and building the boots there. And they were, you know, pretty inexpensive, huh. uh, but they would fall apart. But, uh, I, mean, I mean, they could fit the minis really nicely, but some of them... Um, you know, who are uh, moving with carts on the road and more aggressive oh. terrain needed a more solid boot. I was going to so, say, do minis need boots? But I hadn't thought about pavement and things, huh? They're, yeah, they're pulling pavement, asphalt, you know, driving. Yeah. Really, we should so, And then also the traction... Um, you know, Debbie, a lot of them are actually used um, in, in hospice and um, in hospitals for children and old people alike. And, you know, they bring the minis in and it's just so entertaining. The smiles light up their faces and changes the whole mood. Uh, but they need to wear boots when they walk on slippery uh, ground too. You know, when they go inside and it's slippery and they're on, you know, tile floors or something, the track on these little boots can help them a lot too yeah that's a great idea great idea okay cool new mini innovation yeah Yeah, the minis and then we've done the bigfoot boot so it's the bfb and that's for the drafts and um you know i you know you see these 
big horses sometimes, the carriage horses and stuff, and there's so much pressure on their feet, and yet their feet are restricted, you know, by the metal shoes, and then also they're very often on asphalt and really aggressive, hard terrain, maybe not aggressive, but definitely hard, and so the shock is traveling, uh, you know, back up their structure, because at a trot on asphalt, there's 800 hertz frequency traveling up the horse's structure. So those big horses, um, they need a lot of um, shock absorption, for one, protection. And if they're out of the restriction of the metal shoes, um, they can really absorb shock uh, with their structure a lot better because there's the flex in the hoof. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we did, uh, we, we, you know, it was a big investment because the molds, um, like they're $20,000 for, oh for a mold. Yeah, they must be um, giant. So we were sort of hesitating because it's a big investment. There's not that many draft horses who, you know, want to do it. So, but I just couldn't stand, um, watching them <laughs> anymore. No. You know, these big, big horses that need the support. So. We've got the Bigfoot boot, too. I like that. We were just in New York City for that Equus Film Festival in November, and we went out to the the park, you know, to the Central Park and watched the carriage. I mean, those, there's some, they get some big, big size, you know, some Percheron in them or something. They got the big feet, and that would be great for the the pounding. I mean, I think they do a nice job of not putting them out there too long. I really am a proponent here, but um, keeping horses in our lives, period. But, um, but yeah, I'm going to tell some of my friends about that then out there. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, horses want to work. I mean, you know, they this do. idea that that we're cruel to them by having them pull us around as tourists, I don't know. I think they like it for the most part. <laughs> I think if we keep them healthy, you bet. They'd rather do that Indeed. than stand. Yeah. 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 Okay. What else? What other little uh, what else? Oh, um, just a very nice, um, just a very nice wool felt pad, uh, New Zealand merino wool uh, with the foam inside. And you know, we do the the uh, total comfort system saddle pads that really compensate for saddle fit discrepancies and yes, imbalances with horses and, mm-hmm. and riders. Um, but uh, you know, I just we thought we might want to do just a plain, nice, hundred percent New Zealand merino wool felt pad uh, for. You know, the person who doesn't oh, necessarily want to go that route and get something super special like our our uh, Cavallo saddle pads are. So so we've got a new just wolf felt pad out, Oh, too. okay. Well, what I like yep. about that, though, is that it's a natural mm-hmm. material. And the one thing that uh, Dad, Monty Roberts, always talks about is please don't put unnatural materials on Be cotton, be wool. He likes the merino wool, actually. Uh, yeah. But, you know, allergy potential, the, the hair... Just as, you know, with the natural material. Yeah. Anyway, love that. Thank you. That's a great idea. And it probably is, it's probably a little less expensive than putting like the, you know, that yeah, memory sure. foam yeah. on there. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, one more thing is just a support uh, insole uh, inside the hoof boots. Um, so we've had the gel pads uh, up until recently, and they're uh, well, we still have them because they're really great. But they're but they're gel, you know, and they're squishy, and so it's really good stimulation for the sole and support for the horse that's transitioning from shod to barefoot. But mm-hmm. they don't last forever. 
which is fine because it helps the horse transition. But then once the horse has transitioned, you could put a support uh, insole in, and that would really take up a lot of the um, sharpness if you're mm-hmm. on really aggressive terrain. So it's just an extra layer of um, of cushion. Yeah, and protection. Yeah, so the, the horses are gelling. Is that what they say? They're gelling. That's baby. a good idea. That makes total <laughs> sense. We do that for people too. Do, you're such a forerunner of the whole barefoot movement and protecting the horse's hoof. This all makes such good sense to me, and I can't figure out why people are worried about it. I, I realize there's different disciplines and all that, but to me, it's like our feet. I mean, why, why is it that much different? But so, Here's a question I've been dying to ask you because you're philosophical and I think you'll do this. What's something that you believe that other people think is insane? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, thanks, Debbie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Airing this on radio. Good girl. Yeah, I know, um, honestly. And, okay, well, fine, you know, because I do, I do want to walk my talk. So uh, one thing I have said to people, and they kind of look at me funny, but... Um, I do believe that we have karma. Uh, that means that we have some sort of destiny uh, with the horses that come into our lives and the reason certain horses come into our lives. And um, taking that a step farther, uh, we may have uh, known horses' souls, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't mean on their feet, but I mean the <laughs> essence of the horse, the being of the horse in in other bodies or other lifetimes. Uh-huh. And so, you know, that means, yes, I believe in reincarnation to a degree. And mm-hmm. and that every horse, um, you know, does teach us something. And, you know, there were, there were three horses. Uh, I mean, I've had several horses in my life, but there are three horses who have, have taught me a lot. And uh, my, I, I have two of them now, currently, Dot, Dorothy, or as bad as my dad, uh, she taught me how to trust and have courage because it's an interesting combination to trust and have courage at the same time, mm-hmm. but it extends to several facets of my life because when I find myself becoming fearful or unsure, like I was very uh, fearful of public speaking and, and now I just, wow. I love to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So she taught me to trust and, and by that, you know, it means trust the universe, you know, trust that what has brought me this far will safely carry me forward. And many would call this God. And it's indeed a faith and a trust. And, uh, you know, it's a trust in, well, for me, it's in my angels and my guides and my helpers. And, you know, people look at me cross-eyed when I say stuff like this. But, you know, once I've established this this feeling in myself, you know, that trust that, um you know, there there are other things that have helped me thus far and will continue to help me. And then I can summon the courage to move forward into whatever it is that was giving me a level of mm-hmm. trepidation. And, and, of course, this is an area that the meditation practice supports because uh, if I practice this focused desire to get in the zone, if you will, it becomes easier and quicker all the time. Mm-hmm. And in Dot's case, you know, she she's an athletic, competitive, high-strung athlete. And once I trusted her and overcame my fear, she showed me how she could run and perform on those barrels. You know, we were a formidable little duo in the barrel racing circuit. And, and she was proud to do this for me. 
all I really had to do was to get my fear out of her way. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a life lesson. (laughs) That's so true. You know, I hope we all have a horse in our life that is like Dot then too, because we have those other horses that, you know, we we are their support system, but it's so wonderful. It's, it's just so wonderful to have a horse that, you know, is carrying you along (laughs) and you, and you Mm -hmm. just have to trust them. Um, It's it's wonderful both ways, really. Yeah, it is. And, you know, Slash, my old boy, I mean, you know, he's sort of the opposite. He taught me about patience, patience and respect, because he does things his way. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, this translates like if, if you can have patience and respect for the way your horse does things and you know I mean it it can translate to so many other facets of well of my life it did to my children my family my business you know because well I do have a lot of staff and if if I let people do things their way well it may not be the same way I would do it and it probably isn't and that's okay as long as it gets done and it's a big lesson in business because if you don't let go of your way as a leader you're always going to be micromanaging the people around you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like an aspect of delegation, if you will. You know, if you want someone to do the job, you have to let them do it. And, and then, and again, you know, you know, you have to let them do it in a way that, so, so to allow them to show you how they can do it and how, and let them shine in their way. So, you know, I could never tell Slash how to do things. <laughs> but, you know, I never felt um, threatened by him. I just knew he wanted to do it his way. Yeah. And, and that taught me a lot, too. And then, and then, of course, there's Rocky. You know, Rocky's the horse that changed my life. He, he taught me to look deeper, to not accept blindly, you know, things because they've always done that way, like, like putting metal shoes on horses' feet, you know, to question why. And if it wasn't for Rocky... You know, Rocky's, he had insurmountable ailments, you know, I, but I'd never have gone down the path I'm on today. You know, he had, um, he had ring bones, side bones, splints, arthritis, right up to the stomach ulcers that had developed as a result of the pain medication that was administered to mask symptoms, you know. I mean, he he was a mess, and, <laughs> and the poor guy, you know, he, he, he taught me to question why. Debbie, why do we nail metal shoes onto a horse's feet? Do you know? I don't. I, I, I know it, that it comes from tradition, and don't get me started there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one thing we fight all the time, right? Didn't they just raise them up out of the, the it was the medieval times when they raised them up out of the, the muck in the, when they wanted to keep them in the stalls. Am I right? That's not the that's history. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah to yeah. prevent the hoof from rotting as yeah. they stood in their excrement day in day mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I mean, not, not well, funny, but you have to kind of laugh. No, no I, <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, it's an archaic to... thing, and it's still going on today, fifteen hundred years later. So that's the thing. We and we, I understand and respect tradition, and uh, but we need to keep. Mm-hmm. That's why I love having you on, Carol, because we need to keep innovating and thinking and questioning uh, our roots, uh, where, what these ideas came from. Have the materials changed so that we we don't have to keep, you know, putting. The, the same 
well, you know, like technology is so out of the box. And if you think about technology and horses, they're just about as polar opposite. It, you know, certainly the demographic yeah. is as bad as polar opposite Good as possible. Point. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, and, you know, there's things they can take from us that make, you know, animals make us more human. But um, I think there's also things that we can learn from them about thinking outside the box, too. And you have done that, Carol Herder. And I appreciate you uh-huh. for for being that person and being your horse's mom. You are very nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and before we go, I wanted people to be, to, to learn more about you and everything. I know you have a book out and you kindly offered something um, just before we came on about getting people a book in their hand. Um, and I want them to learn about you. Is that offer still standing? Absolutely. And, you know, Debbie, I, I just want to tell you, I, I was so afraid to publish this book because it, I'm putting myself out there like I'm mm-hmm. talking I'm from my heart. And it took me three years. It was supposed to be a little trimming manual, but then it ended up being a novel, <laughs> a novel about myself to, to a degree, about my journey, you know, yeah, um, yeah. How, how I got here. And, and so then when it became time to publish, I, I was terrified of doing it. Um, but we published it uh, at 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. By 10 a.m., it was a bestseller uh, on Amazon in the U.S. By 11 a.m., it was a number one bestseller in Canada. By 5 p.m., it was a number one bestseller in Australia. And overnight, it became a number one bestseller in uh, the U.K., so within 24 hours, it became an international bestseller on Amazon. And so it was just, it was my birthday and I was, oh, oh it was such a fabulous day. Yeah. yeah. You know, and there you go. I mean, we're, I guess we're, we are shedding our traditional thoughts and, or at least we're curious and there you go. And that's make, that makes for a number one bestseller. Yeah. Because people were interested. So the title is, there are no horseshoes in heaven. <laughs> um, and uh, and I'd like to offer it. Yes, I'd like to offer it to anyone um, on listening to the radio program. And so it'll be in a digital form, and you can download it. Um, I, I think the best way uh, to do it would to shoot uh, shoot us an email. And just say that you've listened um, to the program, and then we'll send you the download. And and within it, actually, we have to say, uh, so appropriate, um, you also get to listen to a fireside chat with Monty Roberts. Um, so so there's a download, like there's a link within the book that you can download that. And it's really charming, you know, because we love him so much. And uh, and then also um, an interview with Dr. Thomas Teske uh, talking about um, horses' feet also. So you, so those bonuses are, are within the book. So um, shall I just say, how, like, should I just provide an email address now? Yeah, provide an email address and then people can write there and say that you listened on Horsemanship Radio and you listened for Carol Herder and you want to know about that, that uh, digital book, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just really just say, you know, um, no horseshoes in heaven on, on the radio show. Yeah. That's uh, right. So info, I-N-F-O, <laughs> at yeah. Cavallo, C-A-V-A-L-L-O, hyphen or dash, Inc, I-N-C, mm-hmm. dot com. Dot com. And, uh, you know, you can just even just put in the subject line, uh, you know, about the radio show and, and the book and, um, and uh, we'll, we'll send it to you. 
Very nice of you, Carol. Thank you. And I hope people will take advantage of that. Yeah, too. And digital, that means that you can read it on your phone these days, which is pretty darn cool. Absolutely. Yeah, your phone. Take it with you to the barn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect. Okay. And then we'll get you to the audio book next. No? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Carol Herter, thank you so much for joining us and taking your time away from the beach and Cabo in Mexico, I, but I'm so glad. Charge those batteries big because we got a lot of work for okay, you to do it when you're back. <laughs> oh, my pleasure, Debbie. Your horse is your partner in sport, in leisure, and just in life. To keep him at his peak performance and optimal health, a solid nutritional foundation is key. Ideally, horses are able to graze fresh, growing grasses which most closely mimic their natural diet. But that may not always be possible, and we may need to supply some of those missing ingredients in today's diets and provide more functional foods. One component of a horse's diet that is often underfed are omega-3 fatty acids. While more prevalent in fresh forages, harvested forages are lower in omega-3 fatty acids due to their more advanced maturity. Obviously, grasses and legumes have to grow to a sufficient height in order to be harvested, while foraging patterns of horses show great preference for shorter, less mature plants. That's why modern horsemen and horsewomen trust Omega Horseshine to provide a powerful, bountiful source of omega-3 fatty acids for their equine partners. Look for Omega Horseshine from Omega Fields at your local tack and feed supplier, or you can find them online at omegafields.com. Lisa Coulter is a Canadian-born athlete and now competes in reining internationally. She began reining in her early 20s and now owns and trains out of Pilot Point, Texas. She's qualified at the FEI World Equestrian Games and competes at the international level there. And this well-rounded person told me that she had a life-changing experience and now her life's ambition is to increase the participation in para-reining so that the sport can grow. Well, welcome, Lisa. Thank you again for agreeing to come on Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for having me. I love having you because I I love, as a well-rounded horsewoman, all that you stand for and all that you've accomplished, too. And that's it's hard to get all that in the same body. I I introduced you as somebody who started in reining in your early 20s, and I think you've done an amazing amount of accomplishment in your life already. Uh, But I want to introduce the listeners to some of the heart work that you do, too. So when we get further along, I'm going to ask about your work in uh, in your volunteer work. But why the sport of reining for you? What was it about reining that got you going in your 20s? Yeah, I um I, I was a late bloomer in the raining, and I still am. Um, I feel like a late bloomer still, but I was trying everything. I wasn't raised with a horse family, so I was raised in town and just had a dream to ride. And so I tried everything. I was gallop girl at the track, and I did barrels, and I breakaway roped, and I tried every anything anybody would let me on a horse, I'd get on it. So I I borrowed, begged, stole whatever I could, and then. In, in um, later, a little bit later on, I met a man named Doug Henry, <laughs> who was a trainer, and um, he had reining horses and cutting horses. I thought it was going to be a cutter because I like, I, mm-hmm. and, I, and I tried, but I sucked at it because I wanted to do, I, I just wanted to do too much to the horse as far as training. So the guys were always yelling at me to leave him alone. So then I fixed oh, yeah. it. Reining was, yeah, because I've got that all around background. I 
I like the whole finesse of training and, and, um, I like to, I like to get right in there with the horse. So reining fit me because it was fast and it was full of adrenaline, which I'm a junkie for, but it allows me to train and really connect with my horse. Cause I, <laughs> I just have a deep, deep love of a horse. So that's why I took reining it on, but I didn't, I, I just was a kid from a small town in BC, so I didn't have anywhere to really go. So I just got lucky, stumbled upon it, and then I set out on a career path to fi- figure out where I could go find Rainer. So I pretty much hitchhiked down to Texas, knocked yeah. on the doors, got a job, and that was it. So that's that's how I picked Rainer. <laughs> so that's great. So your first job, was that for a trainer in Rainer? It was. It was for Dick Keeper, so the oh. legend. He, um, he hired me and like I said, I just kind of showed up in Texas. I had a top 10 list <laughs> and Dick was on my, I think Dick was like third. <laughs> oh, list, but, um, uh, Bob Loomis wasn't home and Craig Johnson said, come back later. Oh. So, I went, <laughs> so I went to work for Dick and then I, I stayed there for a year and that's when they were making the transition from cutting to raining. And I got to um, be around that whole play gun three-year-old era. So that was super cool. Okay. And then I went over to work for Dragon A and, uh, and then, Worked for Dragon A, went back, and now that's going back a lot of years, but that ranch was around for quite a few years then, and so I, I was the colt breaker girl for lots of years. That's what I that's what I did. You were a tough girl. So when, what was your first big breakthrough? When when did, I know about 2014, was that your biggest wins? Well, yeah, I didn't even start showing probably until um, in the, oh, well into the 2000s because I'd already had my daughter. So I, I sort of showed that I get like the ones that were left over. Nobody else. We didn't sell them because we, I worked for somebody that sold a lot of horses. So finally, I, I guess my biggest win started in 2009 I, um, was one of the biggest wins. That's when I won the or I was silver medal at the um, Kentucky Cup when it was the WEG test event. So that was a huge win for me. I had won and I had done some stuff before that in the mid to like 2005 and stuff. So I guess I started, but when my daughter was about five years old, but for, up until that time, I was the colt breaker and I did a lot of colt breaking and I, um, and so I was passing horses off to other trainers and I love that. And I rode some great horses and got to, um, be around some great maturity winners and all that. But I was, I wasn't in the saddle until around 2004 or five. Yeah. Yeah. What a talent you are. And so you've competed all over the world pretty much at this point, right? Uh, Canada, USA. I, I think I read Japan. Is that right? No, I went, to, I haven't oh. gone to Japan, but I went all over Europe. So I got oh. to go to, um, as an FEI rider, cause that's when I, I really found my niche in the FEI horses, the older horses. I, I'm really good on a colt and I really love that. And I really love security horses, but the aged horses, um, you know, the, I like the, the idea of bringing those horses or, or maintaining those horses. Um, I like the drug-free policy. I liked mm-hmm. everything about FEI. So I moved into that, and that's where I really found my success because I was really good on those older horses and, and keeping them going and stuff. Good for you. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I want to get into is about the horses a little bit too, but, but uh, because you've done an amazing thing to repurpose horses too, but I I want, I want to kind of couch this with, you had an accident. I think you said you were 19 when you had an accident that kind of changed the way you looked at at life and, and riding. Do you remember? Yeah, I was right. And I was well on the career path then because I was in a small town and I didn't know anybody, didn't have any I had no hookups. I was, I've never been a non-pro and I've never had that opportunity. I went straight to a professional oh. career just because of 
growing up and, and I, I just didn't have any access to anything. So I was going to college. I was set to go to college, to old college in Alberta to be equine science because it was the only way I knew how to um, proceed with my career. And I got a car accident right a month before I was set to go and I broke a couple, um, two bones in my neck on C5 and C6. So I wasn't paralyzed completely, but I was, um, I was left unable to do much for a couple of years. And I, I luckily... Um, the breaks were three millimeters and four millimeters severs your spine, spinal cord. So I was lucky, but it not. So they told me, don't ever ride again. Um, mm. You know, you're at a high risk and all that. But I, uh, so I kept it, I was off. Yeah, it changed my life. But then I decided after about three years that um, of not riding or two years, I guess, two and a half, I said, um, I would rather just, I would rather not live <laughs> if I couldn't ride. Mm. So yeah. I, um, yeah. Yeah, but but you so you're right. Exactly. Like life is is what it's going to be and good for you for making choices. And this is where I love this turn of events too in your life. There is uh, an organization uh, that you've created now or you're a great part of the global nonprofit and I love uh, that their mantra is changed by chance, champions by choice. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's just the nearest and dearest thing to my heart um, in the in the horse world, and it's pararaining. And I connected with that probably a lot to do with the car accident because I know what it feels like to lose the ability to ride or to um, to be on a horse like a person would want to. So um, I was asked to coach in 2013 the pararaining at the World Show when it was just a demonstration and just some an idea everybody was kicking around. Mm-hmm. And so it's um, set up, pararaining means, para, people think para means para, paraplegic. It doesn't. Ah. It means parallel. So it gets parallel. a little bit confusing. Parallel. Yeah. Because the idea is that the rider, um, maybe they have different disabilities that um, prevent them from doing things like an able-bodied person just would regularly ride a horse, but they want to be the same. So it's a it's a term for parallel. So. Yeah. Um, so I started coaching with the pair. I just did a, at the world show coached a rider, fell in love with her because of her spirit. And I connected with it though, because of my car accident. And because I knew what that felt like to be told you'd never ride again and had that take, dream taken away from me. So I found um, just a real inspiration that I could help other people to ride again because, you know, I, I can make that happen for them. And it healed a lot of me and it healed a big part in, the things that had gone on in my young, younger years and, um, um, you know, set me apart and maybe slowed me down and maybe kept me out of some of the opportunities I might've gotten. So mm-hmm. I didn't want anybody to think that they couldn't have the same chance. So we, we, I kicked right in high gear on it because I connected to it so deeply. And I also feel like I have a 16 year old daughter. She's 16 now. I can't believe it. But <laughs> one of the things in my life I really want to do is give her, teach her what giving's all about and doing right. things just from the heart. So it was cool because it was something that I could do. Um, that was my passion and and my career all mixed in plus something that I had experienced. So I knew I kind of connected with that and I knew how those riders would feel. So off I went on this whole para reigning thing and it was a lot of healing for me and people say, Oh, you do so much or you give so much. Nah, I get, I get more no. out of it than probably people. And, but it's all just about, feeling good about myself and giving mm-hmm. back to this to the to the horses and the and the reigning world. 
Yeah, and the horse. Yeah, and the horses in this too. So this is a develop. It's a development. This organization develops reining programs designed for riders with physical disabilities. Is that a good summation about what it they is. do, it's, what you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, para is 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 about is defined because it's defined in the FEI, and it's defined as um, um, an uh, an event for riders with physical disabilities. Now. The, that gets tricky and there's a gray area because of, um, you know, people with different types of afflictions. They, you know, we can't really, it's hard for me to ever turn my back on anybody, but in para, it's all physically. So it's like limbs affected. And then there'll be some um, things like diseases that, you know, you're, you're weak and um, different things like that, that will um, prevent you from being fully able mm-hmm. to perform, you know, as, as a, as an athlete. So you, but there's, there's, special too there's the special olympics and everything and that's um that's more of the cognitive issues that people have to deal with yeah. what we've done at, at world Pararaining, that's the organization i founded we're kind of we're really broad and, and we're so we're a little bit unique in that we're not a special we're not the special um division and we're not the para division where we kind of embrace both riders i have i can't say no to anybody so mm-hmm. we, we've taken on riders with all sorts of stuff going on um, we welcome them all, but when we really truly stick to the para guide, it's about physical disabilities, and that's mostly limbs affected, and then some weakness, and some, um, you know, some things that kind of slow you down a little bit, maybe your mm-hmm. endurance and things, right? Yeah. So, but don't let anybody uh, fool us here. Uh, these people are athletes. That you should go on the. We'll leave the website in the note show notes. But you should go and see the videos that you have on there too, because these people they might be. You know, one arm is not completely. Maybe they were not born with an arm or a leg, uh, or maybe they were injured. But these are athletes nonetheless, and uh, and, and competing at a high level. There's money in this, right, Lisa? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was really important to me because I believe in the term parallel and I believe in the vision that was created. And so it was really important to me to be true to the sport. And I love the sport of reigning. I love, you know, I love all the disciplines. I'm, I'm a big fan of every, everything. So I wanted to, felt it was important if we were going to stay on track of being parallel, that we also be true to the sport. So and you're right. Those athletes are incredible. And and you know what? It's really, I think people need to really understand, like, just think about how sometimes you're nervous or you're scared of a horse because they're gigantic, strong creatures. But <laughs> then you think about, you know, all the things we have to do on a horse. Now, just like take your leg away or or imagine that you from the waist down, you, you can't feel your legs. You're paralyzed right. or take one arm away. And so the courage and bravery, bravery in these riders is astounding. It, yeah. it, it it just humbles me and it, it, it blows me away because I know what it's like to get on a horse on a daily um, basis, just riding and, and some of the things that creep in your head about injury and all that. Cause I've had lots of injuries on horses. Mm-hmm. And then the, so yeah, the, besides being incredible athletes, because they have to overcome a lot with what, they, what they've got going on. They're brave. They're just so brave. Okay. Yeah. Now tell us about the horses that are under them too. I just think this is, part of the story uh we can't ignore that you've repurposed horses you you but these horses are as talented as the people sitting in the saddle too right yeah big time and again once what the money and all that stuff we wanted to be reigning has a culture of money you know we have good prize money up and it's important so we're trying to match that we're trying to uh, be as equal as we can 
but then also those horses. And, and in reining, we have a culture of three-year-olds are, are, you know, that's where we really pay our biggest attention to. And then the derby years are really important to four, five, and six. Right. Um, with the FEI, we've created some change in the need for seven plus year old horses. But for the most part, we're kind of, we get to be um, done with our horses at the, at the high levels and, and stuff at a younger age. But the horses, and I never realized this when I got into it, because when I got into it, I just wanted, I had this really just desire to have people feel like anybody can do anything kind of a thing. Just, just come on, we'll get you there. We'll, we'll figure it out. And what evolved is the horses. And I never knew how great my great horses were until I put a para rider on them. And it, it makes me cry every time because they, I, I just, these horses go out and they, you know, they've won a hundred thousand, they've won a couple hundred thousand. Oh yay, That's great. And, and that's important. And, and it makes the world go around for us as a business. But then to see that, that same horse, go out and soften and soften his performance and, and just soften everything about himself, but still be athletic, just to carry somebody around that maybe has never been on a rainer. And it's, it's incredible. And how they take care of the riders when they're, you know, cause those horses have to adjust to a lot of things. We'll have, Oh, Velcro going on and we'll have right. to like have four people to mount a horse or a rider on a horse because they're paralyzed. There's a lot they have to endure, but then also, just the safety and what they have to in their steps, right? So that's all important. But the horses still um, perform and they read the riders. But so that's my biggest thing is um, that I really I never that I've discovered is that how how truly great my horses are, and I have some of the best horses in the country in this program, mm-hmm. and they've never been greater than when they were in this program. I love that. I mean, I'm thinking about the spins. I mean, my mom's still showing, and I won't say how old she is you can go and find her picture or her Facebook page but <laughs> but she you know high level and my and my dad too actually and the centrifugal force on just a pretty you know middle of the road rainer is pretty pretty darn strong so how would somebody how does somebody stay is that half horse keeping them in the middle or is that all about what you're doing with their training well yeah see right we didn't know we were freaked right out the first time we had a um, a paralyzed rider, although it was one of the bravest gals I've ever met in my life, but mm. we're trying to figure out, okay, can a, can a paralyzed person spin on a horse? Cause yeah. you think about that, right? And, and you're right about the equilibrium and the centrifugal force and all these things going on. How's that going to go? So some very pioneering, brave souls in this world started doing it. And what we found is a couple things. One is I haven't had a rider yet in all the riders I've had come that um, can't spin. So that's incredible because that separates us from being able to do really high level um, maneuvers and things, you know, for pararainers, which is really incredible for me to see happen. And so the riders all can spin, but the horses, so that, you know, I'll just see them adjust. And because horses like to feel weight balance uh, and they can really feel a shift under them, they just seem to work it out. So they'll slow down or they'll wait or they'll, been a blur whatever they they just feel mm-hmm. the riders so we've knock on wood we've just had such great luck with that and it's because people are willing to go out and try it nobody had been pararaining before um so nobody we didn't know we could do this and we've watched and these horses have taken if we didn't have the horses this wouldn't happen at, mm-hmm. and the kind of horses we've had so that's been a that's been an incredible journey and they do they really um take care of the riders you can see them checking in I've seen them stop and wait if a rider gets in trouble 
I've seen them either slow down or stop and wait. No, that I see that in the non-pros all the time too, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But this is different because some of these riders don't have maybe don't have a leg, and so they, their cues are different. The, the yeah. feeling is different. But I've never seen the horses um, so quite so responsive as I have. But I think in therapeutic programs and things, people say that all the time about horses is just how how in tune they are with their riders. Well, yeah, yeah. what's interesting, though, is therapeutic horses, I, I tend to think those are the ones that are aged, you know, or they really, they were born with just, you know, no adrenaline in their body. They're just quiet, sweet horses. But these are competitive athlete horses. These are the kind that people go, oh, that guy's, you know, got a big motor under him. And, and you know, that's a different, that really shows the empathy that a horse has for a rider up there that, I, I don't know. I can't even define what they're thinking, obviously, but yeah, well, you I'll, know I'll there's something an, different, yeah? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. So there's a horse, I probably shouldn't say his name, but he was a jerk for non-pros. So he'd go in the pen and just be an absolute jerk. And, you know, he he had won 50-something thousand, and um, so as an open, you know, with open riders. So we, we knew, he, you know, he's been a great horse, but then he tried to put a non-pro rider on him, and he'd just come apart. So I thought, I don't know about this horse. And so it was a long journey, you know, of me deciding whether to allow him to go into the program because he is at home. He's really safe and all that. And, you know, it's incredible. Then we, the first para rider we put on him um, was um, a really brave, good rider, but paralyzed. And you know what? I've never seen that horse be more of a gentleman and more quiet. Now, he wasn't crazy. Nobody was, a, we never put anybody in danger. But sure. I've never seen that. That horse has, has won. And he's won, and he's won with her. And huh. so it proved to me that there, I don't, I, you know, I can't. I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I can't define what happens, <laughs> but something right. happens in that connection. So I've seen it. Yeah, we've had some. We have some incredibly athletic horses that are still performing, um, still being open horses, still having to go out and mark big scores, and they still will go out with the, the para riders and mark big scores. But it's amazing how um, how they how they'll handle that. It's a different, you know what it is? It's probably a different kind of a pressure, right? Because um, I think those riders have to, there's a different, there, there must be a different sense that they, they catch from those riders. Uh, and I promise you this, and no one, people aren't going to believe when they hear this, but the para riders are less afraid than any riders I've ever coached or seen. They're less afraid. And they'll yeah. come in with major, major things going on with, you know, with their bodies and stuff that they have to overcome and handle and they're braver. So maybe the horses sense that maybe there's a sense of confidence. That confidence and calmness. Yeah. I I don't doubt it. We'll learn a lot more as, as the years roll on. I know Lisa, it'll be fun to, to experience this whole thing. Uh, People should go to your website so that they know what's coming up in 2017. What um, you said something about, let's see, there's a, in Europe, in the Netherlands, there's uh, something coming up with the FBI this year. Am I right? July? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. We've been really working hard in, in, the, in North America and Canada and the U.S., putting on lots of world para reigning classes and championships. We've had some really big events, and they're incredible. But now what we decided was this needs to be truly global if we're going to keep progressing like we are. So we're taking everything pretty much over to Europe. We'll still have lots going on in North America. There'll be, still be some great events. There's already tons of classes, um, you know, sent in for approval, but we're going to take our championship. We have a yearly um, World Para Reigning International Championship, we call it, and it's truly international. Last year, we had over 30 riders come from all over the world to the world show. AQHA always welcomes us. We love them. 
And so now we're going to go over to, we're going to take it to the Netherlands, to Ermelo, and it's going to be um, a, a huge event over there, I think. And we're, we've already gotten such great um, excitement, and, and the, the Europeans, they, they've come on strong in paralaining, and they love it. So we'll do a $25,000 um, championship over there. So we've got a big sponsor that's really keen, wow. really wants to see this grow, yeah. So we'll have a lot of money up for the riders. We'll do like a team and individual event. There'll be medals and all that. And it's, it's a great chance for some teamwork and some great competition. And it, it's good raining. It is really good raining. Great. So um, go to www.worldpararaining.org. So all yep. lowercase there, world para, P-A-R-A, raining.org. And uh, I would love to have you back, Lisa. I'd love to talk a little bit more about uh, if, as these whores age out, how do you keep them healthy? You know, a lot of people look at raining from the outside and go, what about those hawks? And I would love to hear more about um, how it's going there, what you feed these whores. I want to know everything about para raining. It yeah, just sounds so, so cool. so much to it. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. so much to it, and we're learning all the time. And part of our whole thing is education and development. And what we're trying, what we're really um, keen, and what is really exciting is these horses and the things we're doing, not only in people's lives, but these horses' lives, because yeah. we're giving people that never thought they could have a chance in competition to go out and compete and like legit compete at some major events in Las Vegas and all over the world. And now the horses too that come back and get repurposed are these great horses that are still showing come and enter the pen and, and have a chance at other stuff. And, and it, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really cool combination between the horses and the riders. The dynamic's really cool. And we do, we have, we have, a, but there's a lot to it, right? Got to feed them yeah. right, got to take care of them. All yeah. The whole, yeah. I, to get people interested in the whole sport, I, you know, let's dig into it a little bit. And I thank you for what you're doing to not only promote the sport, but also just you're, you're in there, you're in the trenches with them too. And bless you for, for doing everything you're doing. I appreciate you, Lisa Coulter. Oh, thanks for having me. And, and thanks for spreading the word. I think it's a cool thing and I'm excited to be a part of it. I, it's, it's a journey for me and it's just my pleasure to be able to, uh, to be a part of it all. I feel really, really lucky. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the What is foal imprinting? Monty's answer. Imprinting is the act of introducing a young horse to the human at the time of birth. There is a window of opportunity at this time, which is open fully for only about an hour after the foal is born. This is the optimal time for imprinting. This is not to say that you cannot imprint after that hour, but it is not as effective. You should maintain good husbandry practices recommended for foaling, and imprinting should commence only when you are entirely comfortable that the foal is being born under normal circumstances, and that your actions are not interfering in any way with the mare's bonding with the foal. While I have been a student of Dr. Miller's full imprinting methods, I have allowed my experiences to modify the process. The imprinter should place himself on his knees at the dorsal, 
backside of the foal near the withers. He should take care when handling the foal never to get between the mare and foal. There are many books and articles describing the procedure and timelines for foal imprinting. These include a book by Dr. Miller titled Imprint Training of a Newborn Foal, a Swift Effective Method for Permanently Shaping a Horse's Lifetime Behavior and my own textbook, which has a large section on this important topic. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. March 11 and 12 will be in Sao Paulo, Brazil, just outside of Brazil, uh, outside of Sao Paulo. And then March 18th, uh, we will head to, or he will head to, England. That will be Scotland first, and then March 25, it'll be with Martin Clunes in Dorset, UK. That's at Kingston Marwood College. They're a hoot together. Everybody anywhere near there should Adorable go. draft and, horses plus Martin Clunes. What's not Oh my gosh, Bruce, and he's just, yeah, they're adorable. And March 31st, he'll be in Munich, and then April 9, April 20, April 22, he'll be in other cities in Germany, Redefin, Dorsten, and Allsfed. And then in July, we will have our Gentling Wild Horse course at Flag is Up Farms, July 10 through 21. And then July 31 through 4th of August is the Monty Special Training at Flag is Up Farms in Solvang, California. So we'll have even more ticket information available soon. But where do they go to get all that? All of that information is available at MontyRoberts.com, an easy-to-navigate and easy-to-find website. Or you can talk to a really nice human being up there at Flag is Up Farms by calling 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, go to horsemanshipradio.com where you'll find links about links to today's guests and some pictures and more information. And we love your feedback. If you have ideas or topics you'd love to hear us cover here on Horsemanship Radio, let us know. And Facebook is a great place to do that. You can find Monty Roberts on Facebook. Just type in Monty Roberts. Fancy that. And if you like to live your life 150 characters at a time, you can tweet with Monty Roberts. His handle is Monty underscore Roberts. And go get the app so you don't miss any episodes. It's available for your iPhone or your Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. It's quick, it's freezy, free, and it's easy to use. It's freezy. Yeah, and many thanks to our... This is a winter joke. That's what it is. Many thanks to our sponsors, too. We have IFA.com, Omega Fields, and MontyRobertsUniversity.com. And be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network. That's www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. <laughs>